she has written a book on single parenting called What's the title of the book, Mike? <laughs> the title of the book is Doing It Solo. I thought you were going to sing there for a little bit. Doing Jazz. It Solo. Doing It Solo. And it's on single parenting. Hello friends, you're listening to Captivate Podcast, the best place for theological discussions about worship, Christian ministry and mission. You're of Mike and Andy, and this is episode uh, 6. Took you a while to figure that one out, didn't it? Uh, I know, very obvious, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, you know, sending in reception that we learned to count, isn't it? Andy? It is episode 6, let me be a bit more confident about yeah, this. Yeah, come on Episode now. 6, very yeah. exciting, we have a very exciting guest today. Yeah, so we have our first female guest, her name is Christy Quaziz. Uh, it's pronounced Quaziz. 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 That's what I said. So, so yeah. Quaziz. It's, it's your accent, man. I can't. It's your accent. Okay. It's your Aussie accent. See, it's not an it's not an Aussie last name, and your we, Aussie yeah. accent is stuffing it up. May, maybe we just need to, you know, direct our listeners to when Christy introduces herself. Smart. Yeah. I like it because she obviously says it correctly because she has to say it the most times. Fair enough. No, that's a good point. Okay. Yeah. Well, then let's not argue about this and let's actually tell, <laughs> tell everyone what the conversation but, uh, is about. Yeah. So Christy is uh, is an author. She has written a book called Doing It Solo, uh, which discusses single parenting. It's something that's not, uh, not really discussed much within a church setting. It's not something that's discussed yeah. much um, even outside the church. As a, There's a little bit of a stigma around the topic, but her... Her passion, I guess, is is to uh, release some of that stigma and start a discussion about uh, single parenting, you know, the ways that people kind of find themselves in this situation and how we might be able to support and uh, talk about in a healthy way uh, some of the issues that uh, people in the situation find um, them in. Mm, absolutely. Very interesting conversation and um, particularly I think if you are a pastor or a leader in the church and you haven't thought through uh, what uh, what the best way to look after single parents is, I think you will find this conversation very, very useful from my perspective. I, I know that Christy was talking about some of, some of the challenges and things that are involved in single parenting that I never thought about and I found mm. it very useful. So um, yeah, hopefully you find this beneficial. And we will have a bit more to say at the end. But for now, let's jump into our conversation with Christy Quaziz. Quaziz. That's what I said. Christy Quaziz, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks for being on Captivate Podcast. We are very excited to have you. Thank you. Pleasure. Well, it's, um, yeah, it's a pleasure, pleasure to have you as well. Um, why don't you tell us uh, and everyone else listening a bit about yourself um, and you've written a book as well um, and uh, tell us a little bit about how that book came about and why you decided to write it. Yep, sure thing. So my name's Christy Quaziz. Yeah. I'm currently uh, married of two years. I have a 15-year-old son, Max, and two stepkids, Zara and Brooklyn, who are eight and five. Um, I... 
became a Christian in 2009, um, started going to church and I guess essentially the book that I've written, Doing It Solo, which is targeted towards single parents, um, is a journey about how my life has sort of unfolded um, up until recent. Um, Doing It Solo is pretty much here to start a conversation. Mm. Uh, I think coming into church later in life, once I already was a single parent, there's a lot of, um, I guess, stigmas that follow single parents just in everyday society and culture here in Australia and other parts of the world. Um, But I found that it was very strong within the church as well. And so one thing I'm super passionate about is Yes, helping single parents in their day-to-day life and how to best equip themselves and their kids, but also start that conversation in the Christian circles to really get an understanding of the different challenges that parents are going through uh, and also different ways that they can offer that support or understanding. Mm. Um, Essentially, doing it solo came about, I was... um, been in church for quite a few years and as a single parent you don't know if what you're doing is right you you don't have that sounding board with a partner where mm. you can um, go back and forth and and come up with ideas and strategies or yep. pick each other up when you when you're doing it tough um, and so I was going through a bookstore looking for some resource on single parenting and there was nothing yep. there was um, books on like mums and sons or dads and daughters, but everything was from the perspective of a dual parent home. Mm. And I sort of just said in my head to myself or, you know, to God, I was like, this is really bad. Mm. And clear as a bell, I felt the Holy Spirit say, you write one. Yeah. And my initial reaction was, I can't write a book. I don't don't know. (laughs) Who am I to write a book? Yeah. And essentially that's where the seed dropped. It took me a couple of years to flesh it out and actually go, okay, no, I really feel that this is something that um, I'm meant to do. Mm. And so I started the journey of essentially sitting down and getting out all the thoughts and digging up all the things that you sort of bury away. But um, yeah, after a couple of years, I managed to get it published and here we are. Yeah, fantastic. Um, yeah, so looking looking back now, just, just um, jumping back to your experience um, as, a, as a single mum, um, have you got any, and you, you've mentioned, um, that it was, it was tough within, within the yeah. church and, um, and I'm sure there's probably a lot of other people that find that, uh, find that as well. Looking back now, have you got any tips on, um, dialoguing with women who are, who are pregnant or find themselves in a single parent yeah. kind of situation? Um, yeah, just how others can kind of, uh, talk and support yeah. with, uh, those people? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think there's there's twofold. So first of all, obviously the woman gives birth. Yep. But there's a lot of single dads out there as well. So yeah. there's, there's single parents and, and often, yes, the mum is left to, to carry the burden. But yep. um, there's a lot of single dads out there as well that have had to step up to the plate. And there's so many different ways that you can become a single parent through yeah. death, divorce, separation, one night stands is... A plethora of different situations, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, From my experience, I was a teenage single mum, unplanned. um, And one thing that probably was the biggest yet easiest thing that could have helped, saying congratulations, rather than, oh no, like when I found out I was pregnant. um, 
I think there's often, if you're starting off from a less than fortunate situation with the pregnancy, there's often a negative connotation towards a pregnancy. Mm. Yet this mother, however she ended up being pregnant, um, is going through a lot of self-doubt as any woman, regardless of whether she's married, partnered, goes through as you're preparing to have a child. Yep. And so one thing that my family were pretty good, but, you know, the rest of the population, um, there was never any congratulations. There was mm. never any excitement surrounding the pregnancy or the pending birth. And so I think one thing and probably the biggest thing is when someone is in this situation, being excited for them. Because yeah. the reality is there's a lot of different situations when you're pregnant that you can take. And for a mum who is pregnant, starting off from as a single parent, even before the child's born, um, is she had other options and she's decided not to follow those other options. So, mm. you know, first of all, celebrating that, you know what, you're happy to step forward into an unknown territory. Yeah. Even while these stigmas are there, so people coming around and celebrating and being excited about that change mm. is probably the easiest, but really really important and impacting for the parent yeah um so that's that's something that i think every single person can do um mm. naturally we bring our own judgment or or how we might think that we would feel in that situation um but yeah i think it's really important our our language surrounding that yeah um can i just uh, pick up on something that you said before uh, so you mentioned that when you found out about the pregnancy your family was pretty good. They mm. were supportive. Were you uh, at any point before that or during the time connected to a church community? Was no. there someone from the church? No, okay. Yeah. So that so happened before you became a Christian. Can you yeah. talk about that? Yeah, How absolutely. you became a Christian and how... So I got pregnant at 17. I was living out of home, pretty wild. Um, so it was pretty shocking to think that, okay, how am I going to bring a kid into this whole situation? Right. Um. So then I moved back home with my family and I speak about in doing it solo about um, a still small voice that told me I was going to have this baby. Now, I wasn't going to church, wasn't a Christian. And in hindsight, I know that that was God speaking to me, sort of preparing me to, to make right. the right decision. Um, then when my son was five, my friend invited me to church and that's when I started getting involved in the local church, started going, had no idea what anything was about. Um, and I guess that's sort of when my, my journey within the church started. Um, so yeah, five years in, but until going to church, my family were pretty supportive. I moved back in, I was living with them for the whole time. Um, mm. but yeah, five years in. So when in, when I had Max, I wasn't going to church, connected to any church community okay. at all. Yeah. So, okay, um, I want to I want to ask you a bit later in this interview about um, the church community and what it's like to be a single parent in a in a church context and and all sorts of things that are connected to this. But I think before we jump into this um, this topic, speaking explicitly about the church. Uh, I just want to ask you about some specifics of challenges yeah. uh, of a single parent. In your book, you talk about acknowledging the challenges of being yeah. a single parent, whether it's uh, you know being a single dad or a single mom. Can you give us a few examples of mm. specifics? Uh, from my perspective, I'm I'm not I'm single. I don't have any kids, so it's it's a completely foreign idea. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have a clue what 
or yeah. challenges the single parent faces mm. every day. Can you talk about that a bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Most of the challenges can be experienced in dual parent homes too. It's just exacerbated because you're the only person okay. to carry those mm. challenges. Um, some of the key ones are financial. So, and once again, there's so many different scenarios and situations with single parents. But um, from my experience in my case, single parent, teenager, receiving no child support, you know, don't have a work history because I was I was a young mum. So financially trying to find the balance between providing for your child, but then being there for your child and all the other things that life throws at you. So I think financially, and obviously it has a large um, impact on your day to day and you know, we've all got bills yeah. and rent and stuff. So it, that's very Absolutely. impacting. So financially can be a large challenge. Um, obviously, there's people that are financially well off in this position, but more often than not, I think financial is one thing. Um, another big challenge is what I mentioned before and how you're navigating your parenting journey on your own. And so when you're in a dual parent home, assuming communication is good within the home, once yeah. again, there's so many different situations, but you have that person who can advocate for you or step in when you're tired or sick or um, encourage you when you're down or just have a conversation about, you know, Johnny's being a pain in the neck. What do we do mm. here or challenges with school? There's so many different things that you have to think about and um, purposefully navigate that when you're on your own, essentially you're just, sitting in a room by yourself trying to figure out what to do. So I think that isolation is really a key, a key challenge for a single parent. Um, I also think another key challenge that's exacerbated when you're a single parent is, um, and it sort of links to our identity a bit, which we might speak about later, is um, because you're so time poor, often you put aside everything that you hoped and dreamed for your life to be able to, do the parenting. Oh, okay. I see mm. what you mean, yeah. Um, and so, you know, especially when your kids are younger or you're at school around sports, trying to work, come home, cook meal, do the washing, put the kids to bed and you fall to bed exhausted and you do it over and over and over again. Mm. Um, there's just no one to share that with. And so I think whilst that can still be evident in a dual parent home, depending on what the circumstance is, the yeah. other partner could work away or whatever, but it's definitely exacerbated in a single parent home. And so they're probably some of the key challenges that a single parent would face. Mm. So let me just uh, pick up again on what you were saying just then. H how do you solve some of those problems, those challenges? How mm. do you deal with that? I think one of the key things is mindset. Okay. Unless you have the right mindset, you will be overwhelmed every single day. And there's days that even with the right mindset, you'll be overwhelmed. But um, often as a single parent, you can compare apples with oranges. So you might look at dual parent homes or situations where parents are in a different circumstance to you. I think the first one is acknowledging that these challenges are real and they exist. The next challenge is to, once you've accepted them, to then learn ways how to mitigate them to be able to deal with them. So, for instance, the financial pressures aren't going away just because you wish them away. So there's 
there's the reality of your situation, but then there's doing different things to be able to mitigate that. For instance, with financial um, impulse purchases or, Mm. um, you know, feeling like you've got to get all the brand names or, you know, go organic or whatever, whatever your situation is. There's so many different variances that you have to accept. This is the reality of my situation. What can I do to relieve that pressure? Um, you know, I, I'm big on a few key things like bedtimes for kids. So one thing as a single parent and the challenges is you're so run down, your time is stretched left, right and centre. If we don't adhere to things like bedtimes, which a is good for your children, then you're putting your kids to bed as you go to bed and simple things like that by adhering to principles like putting your kids to bed on time that can help give you those extra few hours that you need to be able to get on top of things. So Mm. um, once again, it's, it depends on a person's situation, but I think acknowledging the challenges and then thinking of steps rather than being overwhelmed with them, sit down and go, okay, this is the challenge. What's my reality surrounding that? And how can I purposefully create strategies to help Mm, mitigate that? So like developing a game plan, so yeah, yeah. Like um, I like to call it life by design. Okay. So yeah, good. Um, often with with single parents, um, your timetable or schedule dictates what you do and you can find you're a slave to the daily grind. Whereas when we take time to step back, like you said, come up with a game plan or a life by design, work out your priorities and sort of work backwards. Um, it's amazing where you can find time and where you can find... Um, little breakthroughs that can make your life significantly easier or at least get you on a trajectory of where you want to go as a family. Mm. Um, one of the things you, you picked up and one of the things that hit me um, as I was reading through your book, um, I found it, um, as I'm a new parent myself, um, I found it, um, yeah, like as you as you're meeting and greeting people, whether it be at church or you know, other places, you kind of become um, invisible, and yeah. your your child kind of is the the center of attention, uh, kind of thing. Um, and like it doesn't it doesn't really bug me too mm. much. But I guess as a as a as a single parent, like that that can feel like you maybe lose your identity yeah. in in a sense as well. And you you picked up on it a little bit um, before, but. Um, can you give um, some people some tips on how, like maybe you or um, you know, looking back, can yeah. Um, yeah, I guess stand firm in your identity yeah. as as a person still now that you have you know, another child in yeah. your family? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think a lot of parents, whilst they're not resentful of the fact that the child is the focus of most greetings and attention yeah. these days. Um, when you are struggling with stuff, you can feel it and it, and it does make you feel isolated. Yeah. Um, particularly if you don't have that partner at home that you can talk to. Mm. Um, it's tricky and it, and, and it is um, dependent on, on each person, but I feel like when you have your identity rooted in Christ, in God, yep. who he's created you to be, mm-hmm. I think that's key for anyone but particularly when you're adding members to your family and and life gets busier and noisier um or if you're ever under pressure like when you know who you are who god's called you to be and the impact that he's called you to have Mm. then 
pressure doesn't seem to have the same backbreaking weight that it it can have if you sort of get tossed about and you find your identity in yeah. whether that's accomplishments or accolades or whatever it is. Mm. Um, now, I know that this sort of stuff gets talked about a lot, mm. but making it a reality for you is actually quite difficult. And yep. that's something I think from coming into the church as an adult with, you know, with my situation that I've come in, um, I look at things very literal sometimes which I think has actually helped me dig deep so there's a lot of I'm a child of God um I'm fearfully and wonderfully made all those sentiments I had to really dig deep and go well what what's that for me Mm. and do I believe that because we hear it all the what's your calling what you know what are you what are you what you meant to do all these sort Mm. of sentiments and so I think digging down and it's a personal thing between you and God digging down to find out what that actually means whether that's yeah. what's my calling we can tend to think it has to be the grandest thing to everyone else but mm. if that means you're called to be a mum and dad to this child and raise them up and find out what God's called them to do and and do everything you can then that's that's your calling or if your calling mm. is to reach people through a podcast like that's mm. that's that's living and working in your calling and I I think just speaking about and breaking down things like identity or calling yeah, is important because often we think our calling is always in the next step as opposed to right now, mm. my calling, and, and I've had to grow into it, and I'm still growing into it, is you know, even sharing my experience and believing that through unpacking it, it's going to help others. Mm. And so I think one of the biggest things with identity, um, the world and society attacks it a lot. Yeah. As what we need to be or should be or should look like or... Mm. Um, and so I believe very, very strongly it's the foundation of even good parenting to know what you're called to do and who you are mm. and believe in that. So it's, I, I think it is probably a challenge that a lot of Christians go on and as circumstances change, it can get rattled, mm. but to continually keep going back and not getting confidence mixed with Arrogance, that's yep. two very different things, but confident in who you are. Yep. And that can only come through understanding who you were created to be and who created you is God. So, yeah. you know, continually coming back to that, I've found, and I'm still finding that as I continually unpack that and what it means for me, and as I change and my situation changes, as I said before, I'm recently married two years in and I'm now mm. my stepmom. Yeah. It's a whole different ballgame. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> Yeah. And and that rattled my identity. And mm. so I've had to keep going back. No, who does God say I am? What does yep. he say about me? Do I feel like I was supposed to marry this man with two children? Mm. Go back to that. Well, yes, I do believe that God. So obviously I'm equipped for the job. Mm. What do I need to fix within me with God to be able to strengthen that identity again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. Um, so... This is actually the first parenting book I've ever read. Yeah, <laughs> um, so you can, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, and I, I'm not a single parent and I found like heaps of stuff in there helpful yeah, um, for me, you know, parenting with my, with my wife um, about being, you know, things like being present, being thankful, being loving um, yeah. and all of those things that you kind of brought up. There's a lot of stuff in there that yeah. as, as a, just a parent in general, um, you can kind of take away. Um, 
but yeah, another thing I, I kind of noticed, um, yeah, you know, as a single parent, all of those things are kind of, you know, left with you as, as you've yeah. mentioned a number of times. Um, and I'm sure it can be, you know, very draining. Um, how do you continue to wake up every day and, you know, try to be the best parent that you can be? Are there there's some things that you can, um, you know, help or do um, yeah. to, to fill yourself up again and you yeah. know, give yourself that energy and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think first acknowledging some days you're going to wake up and just not want to do anything. Yeah. Um, you'd like to ship the kids off and never see them again. Mm. But <laughs> uh, I think it's each day getting up and doing the best you can. And yep. even when that's not enough, know that tomorrow's another day. Mm. Um, there's going to be tif- difficult seasons and there's going to be seasons that feel like a breeze. I think it's important to acknowledge that there's seasons in parenting the seasons in relationships in life so just being aware of that Mm. like I said before it's all about mindset and sometimes if you can just acknowledge like for instance we're going through winter here I hate the cold but I know summer's going to come again yeah and so it helps get through those tough times when you can remember Mm. that there's other seasons yeah um also similar to what I said before about life by design or having that game plan Mm. Um, I think that that's important to, to be able to get up each day, have, have a plan for your life. Um, Mm. when we're just going aimlessly, oh, let's just see if I can do today. You're really sucking all the power out of, out of your journey. Yeah. It's sort of leaving it to chance, start slipping into victim mentalities, which don't help anyone, even though there's very, very real Mm. challenges and heartbreaks and all sorts of stuff that can essentially be justified taking that mindset is just going to keep you locked in a glass box that you're Mm. doing by yourself yeah um i think being present and this is i think most people will probably do this from time to time is and, and society does it to us. We've got a quick fix society and we're trying to be a million places at once, but really we can only be in one place at once. Mm. And I think and something that I constantly am reminding myself is, am I present in this moment? So when we're mm. playing with our kids, do I want to sit on the floor and play Lego for half an hour? Probably not. I could probably <laughs> think of better things to do from my perspective, yep. but why am I playing Lego in the first place to impart into my child? Mm. So when I'm there putting the phone away, putting, putting the distractions away and being present in that moment. Now that might mean you've got half an hour in the day. And if that's the only half an hour you have with your child, it's amazing that that will fill up their love tank Mm. greater than spending five hours a day, but being half interested. Mm. Um, I think as a parent, obviously you want to do as much as you can with your children, but understanding that that undistracted present time with your kids is enough to accomplish what you want with them. Um, A couple of key things as examples, driving my son to school, Max, Mm -hmm. I'm in the car, he's in the car, we've got no other option but to be with each other. Yeah. So something that I'm big on is turning off the radio, tuning into our kids, 
not putting the phone in front of them, not putting the iPad in front of them. And so the conversations I've had over the years with Max as he's, you know, he's 15 now. So we've had some extremely random conversations. Yeah. But things I've been able to speak into, clarify, there's been some pretty full on like ideology stuff. There's Mm. so many things going on in the schoolyard these days Mm. to be able to address and talk into. And that's a place that now when we hop in the car, he, he has conversations because I've Mm. been able to put that in place. And if you don't drive your kids to school, then when you're on the bus or whatever that downtime is for you guys, it's dual purpose. And yeah. dual, dual purpose is key for single parents Yeah, because you've got so much to do. If you can combine, mm. you know, A, I've got to drive my kids to school, but I can also use this time as my connection time. Yeah. Um, another thing from a day-to-day thing is going into the supermarket. I hate going into the supermarket, but training Max, I'd take him in and, and I'd give him a few, even from five years of age, hey, Max, can you go and get some milk or Max can you go and Mm. get seven apples or whatever it is and then that way you're teaching them the life skills Mm. but you're also doing that dual purpose of having to go into the supermarket yeah um so I think being present in different ways in day-to-day activities is probably Mm. the biggest thing that any parent really can take away but as a single parent you can still feel like you're winning yeah as opposed to being dictated and bombarded with Mm day-to-day tasks yeah so like i said before some days are easier than others but i've found that when i wake up in the morning if i know that i've got those moments that i can invest in my kids but at the same time get life done yeah more often than not i wake up feeling all right let's do this Mm. and i go to bed having somewhat pride in what i've done during the day um yeah, they're probably some some key examples that and and mixing it up with whatever your day looks yeah. like. Just like Andy said before, finding that game plan mm. and reminding yourself and and outworking it. Yeah, and are there ways that others like family and friends and that kind of thing can help? Um, you know, with rebuilding and um, you know refilling yourself with energy and that kind of thing. Yeah. So ways and stuff you can talk into about that. Yeah, um, I think that links to a chapter I've got in the book about it takes a tribe mm. and that's a common saying throughout yeah. society but it's very, very real when you're a single parent. Um, often, for whatever reason, we feel that if other people are looking after our kids, we're failing as a parent or we're offloading them. Mm. I think the biggest thing is understanding that we don't have the full responsibility of of raising our kids we do but at the same time there's other people that can invest in our kids and strengthen them yeah i'm sure i can speak for the majority of people that when you're a kid you can remember when you went over to sleepovers at your friend's house or hung out at nana's place or whatever it is they're positive times and they Mm. actually made us better people and more grounded and rounded and so i think one thing is being okay to to arrange play dates with your kids and, you know, you utilizing family, that's not a loss that's yep. building them. And then that gives you time yep. to not potter around the house and wait for your kids to get home, but go out and have a life. Like mm. if your passion was playing squash, go and have a game of squash, even if it's once a month yep. or if it's having coffee, arrange coffee, or if it's mm. going swimming, whatever it is, you can find 
time to do whatever it is that refuels you. Yep. And that's different for some people. It's sitting and reading a book. Some people mm. it's, you know, being around other people. Um, so I think that sort of stuff's really important. Mm. And then um, you're refreshed and your kids are happy. And another thing is if you have um, shared care. Yep. So that's another reality of single parents. Not every single parent has them all the time. Yep. I know a lot of single parents with shared care that when their child's with the other parent, they're feeling guilty and, and sort of they're just sort of waiting in anticipation for their kids to come back. Yep. I think it's shifting, once again, that mindset to say, hey, I can actually, I'm not being selfish by investing in myself, whether you want to do a course or mm. whatever it is. You're actually better when your kids come back because yep. you're happier, more refreshed. You're pursuing your dreams and interests and, you know, that can help refuel and... I guess, refresh you as a parent as mm. well. So there's lots of different ways. You just got to find it within your own situation. Yeah. I guess that's that's when church community comes in. Mm. And you, you talk about a tribe being there for you and, and helping you raise your child or raising the child with yeah. you. And, you know, speaking from a Christian perspective, from a pastoral perspective, I've, I've seen this um, in, done really well in churches. Mm. But I guess my question, my next question would be in the area of Christian ministry um, about about single parenting in church. You know, we often use this language of, of church uh, being a community, being a family. Mm. You know, sometimes you walk into the church and you see this big sign, welcome home. Yeah. And it's, it's meant to feel um, homey. It's meant to uh, feel mm. like a family. And I guess for a single parent, there is this sense of... Um, incompleteness in a way yeah. you, you you walk into a church and you see different families perhaps couples with kids and you see this you're experiencing this whole atmosphere of family and you potentially feel like well there is something uh, maybe not even necessarily wrong with you but mm. there is something incomplete yeah and um i'm just wondering in your experience have you what 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 have you seen churches do well in terms yeah. of looking after single parents and what are some of the mistakes that stand out to you straight yeah. away and how would you how would you comment on that what can we learn as pastors mm, for sure churches are a great community and they have a lot of different people within them i don't think there's many other groups of people that have such a diverse group of people within yeah. one sort of community um and i think that's amazing but i also feel like there's those gaps and um single parents have that stigma in society as it is and like I said before it does it does carry over through to the church as much as sometimes we don't like to admit it we'd, we'd want to think that we're we're um supporting those within the congregation or the community um but I know for me as I came into the church I I felt it um I was a still a young mum single so I didn't really fit into young adults because no one else had kids right yeah but then I didn't really fit into the families because everyone else was married but I was younger as well and single and so I felt that I didn't really tick a box and I think as people we try to as much as we probably don't admit it we do try and find the box that we tick because it Absolutely. gives us yeah. that that perceived sense of identity or belonging and so for many many years it was whilst I still felt loved I felt like I didn't really belong. So was that something, if I may just quickly jump in, was yeah. that something that was making 
um, developing relationships in the church difficult because because you felt like well I'm not a, I can't go to young adults group because I have a child I'm not married so I'm not exactly mm. you know going to fit in with young couples and so was yeah. that so did did you did you find it difficult to develop friendships at church because I of that or? yeah I think for me because of my personality I I've sort of had a bit of a mishmash group of yeah. of people that I surrounded myself with so. For me, it wasn't a, I felt completely disjointed because I didn't fit a box. However, because I'm quite an extrovert, I suppose, and, and I like and love people, that for me wasn't a huge factor, but okay. I know that it is for a lot of people. Um, so I did youth ministry for a long time, but it was I was the only one with a kid and older than most of the youth leaders. Um, young adults, if I did attend which I did sometimes I'd be the only one with a kid again and then if I went to a couple of family singing that's probably where I felt more out of place because you're standing there with all couples with their kids and and it's um that's where it's highlighted the most that your situation is different um the biggest challenge for me I guess or that made me feel um that my situation was different was that it wasn't spoken about. It was like this unwritten um, silence that single parenting wasn't spoken about. There was nothing coming from the platform. There was um, nothing coming out of families. And so I think that was probably one of the biggest, um, I guess, things that impacted me without it necessarily being spoken. Okay. So I could, um, I could feel that and I knew that I didn't tick a box. Um, I was lucky enough to have great friends who loved me and loved my son and, and, and all of that, but um, I do believe that it's, it's a real gap in the church. Mm. Um, I, did, I was invited to a relationship seminar um, or, or a panel at church one day and they had different people in different situations and um, when I got up, they... they asked some questions about, you know, my recent marriage, etc., And it was very interesting to see some of the people who came up afterwards and what they said. So we had this couple come up afterwards and they said, we just want to admit something to you. Like, okay. Mm. And they said, when we first saw you and Philippe get up, we thought, why are they being asked to get up? They've been married a couple of months. What would they know about marriage? And I was like, okay. Where is this going? <laughs> yeah, girl, let's go. Um, and they said, but as soon as you were asked your first question, I instantly felt bad for, for what I was thinking. And the first yeah. question was like, how have you managed dating as a single parent? And that's the first time that they had heard something like that coming from the platform. And, you know, I think it was great that, that we have tried to start conversations in different ways. But they said, essentially, we never stopped to think what sort of things you would have to go through as a single parent plus in the church to get to a place of even marriage. Like, how, how do you date when you've got kids? And so that sort of highlighted to me, and I was grateful that they came up and were honest because that mm -hmm. highlighted some of the mentalities that are in the church. And these, these guys are amazing. Um, but those deep-seated thought processes that we just, you know, when it's not your situation – 
you often don't think about it, but because it's not spoken about, then mm. it, it never sort of gets addressed. Um, and then I also had a lady come up afterwards and she's like, this is my second time coming to church. I'm a single mum. I don't feel like I belong, but seeing you get up there and talk about being a single mum really made me feel comfortable here. And so it just highlighted again that new people coming into the church or people who are in the church and something happens that, mm. you know what, you're still accepted, you're still loved. Yes, it's not what God intended the original blueprint to be, but just having those conversations allow people to feel more comfortable okay. and it doesn't matter that you don't tick a box. Mm. Um, so I think the biggest thing is talking about it. Right. I was just going to say this, yeah, so the, it seems like from what you're saying, uh, the, the biggest issue or the, the starting point is we at churches, uh, whether we preach or just have meetings, we don't address this issue. Mm. Right? We just assume yeah. that everyone's ticking a box and yeah. if you don't, well then it's on you. Kind mm. of thing. I mean, we probably don't think it that way, but we just don't address it. Yeah. Yeah, by okay. not addressing it, that's what yeah. the that, automatic... That's the message that's, the, yeah. message that's being sent, yeah. yeah. Well, and people yeah. don't... Well, most people don't deliberately do things or say things to be hurtful. But when it's your situation, yeah. like for instance, being a new dad, all of a sudden you probably notice there's so many babies everywhere. Or, yeah. wow, everyone's got prams. You yeah, just literally. notice different <laughs> things. Or if you recently buy a yellow car, all of a sudden you notice all the yellow cars. It's not that there's more yellow cars all of a sudden. It's that now your yeah. focus has shifted. Yes. So um, I think... For instance, for me, Mother's Day and Father's Day are probably two of the most emotionally driven days for me because as a single mum who has 100% care of their kids, I'm mum and dad every single day. So when we do Mother's Day services or Father's Day services, they honour the mums and sometimes honour the dads for supporting the mums, whatever, but there's a lot of parents that are, you know, usually they get them to stand up and give them a little gift, but there's a lot of parents, single parents, that um, are stepping in both of those roles. And so mm. of recent, the last couple of years, even from the platform, they've started to say, and you know what, all the mums who are doing it alone or all the dads who are doing it alone, that single acknowledgement once or twice a year sometimes can be the fuel a person needs it's so simple single parents aren't weak victims they're actually strong what they deal with each and every day and so that victimization or the the pity party isn't what they need like, oh okay let me help you it's that acknowledgement sometimes hey you know what you're doing a good job and we see you um so that's something that i think any church can mm. even one or two lines a year can have a massive impact into those single so parents. So simple and, and so profound yeah. mm. at yeah. the same time. Mm. Acknowledging that, that the challenge and the struggle. Yeah. Uh, mm. Good stuff. Um, I want to ask you about r raising a child as a single parent and telling your child about Jesus mm -hmm. and the gospel. I, I grew up in a home where... Well, both of my past uh, parents are pastors, and I was, you know, exposed to the gospel and Jesus' story from a very early age. And it was my mom and my dad speaking to me, playing games with me, reading me stories, 
How do you how do you talk to your child as a single parent about about Jesus and the gospel? Is yeah. is, is there a challenge in this or how do you, how did you, how did you manage? Yeah, to I think for my situation, once we started going to church and you know, your kids are exposed to what is portrayed as right and wrong, and I think one thing that um, I've had to be quite purposeful with is explaining what is perceived as a right and wrong. Right and right being both of my parents are together and I'm under the, the care of both of my parents in the same home and the wrong being you're a single parent somewhere along the line you've messed up. Essentially that in, in a blunt context, that's mm. the two different parties that we're looking at. And so something that um, we've had conversations about is you know, my son used to say, we're not a real family because we're only two people. And so it's been going, yes, expressing that God's original blueprint is for a mum and dad to be together, be married and have kids and, mm. and they grow up under that, that leadership structure. But also bringing in the gospel and saying, God is a restoring God. And so I think journeying them through, yes, the situation is what it is, God still loves us and God still has a plan. I think my recent marriage has been a great um, proof of the grace of God and that, you know what, we mess up in different ways. But unfortunately, with a broken home, it's very evident. And so rather than um, some mistakes that we make that are not as public, a broken home is is something that we not feel. But the kids yeah. are, are there too. Like mm -hmm. my son used to be asked why does your dad never pick you up from school? Or a big thing was when he, he would play Aussie rules football and he used to hate that because each child's parent gets rostered on for the different jobs. And I was only the, I was only ever, I was the only mum that ever had to do umpire duty with the flags. I hated that. And for me, that was like a glaring um, beacon that I'm doing this on my own because everyone yeah, else's yes. dad did it. And so it's things like that that the kids pick up along the way. And yes, there's a lot of broken homes now, but when you're in the church, mm. it's still there, but you know, we're taught a different structure than if you're outside of the church. And so I think um, being confident, once again, in your identity and, and who God's created you to be, acknowledging that, yes, this isn't the ideal situation, but you know, we've got a family policy. We go to church on Sunday. Mm. And that's just what we do. And does Max want to go to church every Sunday? Absolutely not. But do we go to church every Sunday? Yeah. And mm. he actually finds safety in that. Learns about the word, but also learns that you don't have to end up as a single parent because obviously things are sometimes generational. Um, and so I think just being willing to continually expose them, just like your parents read your stories mm. or... They expose you, have those conversations. It's exactly the same. But I think you do need to explain um, the obvious breakdown in the family structure. Sometimes, I don't, I don't believe um, Max carries this, but sometimes, depending on the situation, kids can have, you know, what they call mummy or daddy issues. And because God's known as father, there can be maybe some even trust issues that mm. might not be obvious at that point in time but you know so just coaching through whatever comes up like in most parent homes but just knowing that your child's understanding of the gospel at the end of the day it's still their choice um 
when, whether yes. they want to subscribe to that or not. But, um, you know, just going through the journey and I guess it just shows God's grace even more when you are in a less than ideal circumstance and you can continue to put in place those Christian principles in your own life and your family's life. Mm. Yeah, I think mm. it's a uh, it's a real challenge um, what you picked up on when, uh, for example, you're raising a child and there is no father mm. um, in the picture, and then you, you know, preach the gospel to your child, or they grow up, go to church, and they hear the New Testament language of God is your father. Yeah, you know? and then that's I think uh, it's it's a real challenge for many. Yeah, to actually uh, embrace um, not even the, the language itself, but embrace God as the father yeah. because they've experienced you know abandonment and there was no father yeah. uh, in their life. Um, yeah, I think very real challenge, and I like what you said about. Um, talking about the, the reality of the breakdown mm. but also talking about Jesus as the one who restores Yeah, and that is very much the story of the New Testament I think mm. that yeah. even though um, you know our lives are not perfect and just even because uh, you have a family yeah. uh, it doesn't mean that the family life is perfect Yeah, mm. uh, but there's always a hope for restoration that's what Christ is doing yeah, absolutely. so you sort of like turning the whole thing around and saying yeah don't dwell on the fact that it's not what God intended yeah. but put hope in the fact that he will eventually restore yeah uh, and i think one practical thing that um came up quite often in my household with my son was yeah but you you did that so what about me like or i he would say to you yeah so it's like you know for instance saying well you know god intended sex to be within marriage right yeah but you didn't and going Yes, and there's added challenges and consequences that come out of not adhering to the plan that God put in. Mm. But that doesn't mean that it's all doomsday. God can restore that. But there are consequences for, for different actions when we work outside of what God planned for us. So, um, you know, there's there's funny little things that kids will bring up or that, that matters to them. Um, on that, I think even in, in children's church or Sunday school or... Um, whatever children's ministry your child is a part of, that having the language in there as well so that those kids are like, well, oh, when you go back to your mum and dad, oh, I don't have my dad. So, you know, and it's not that we shy away from saying mum and dad. I I, Sometimes we can go too far and we can um, overcompensate for people in less than ideal situations, but allowing kids to go, hey, you know what, if that's your reality, it's all good, like, you're still just as love you're still just as important you're not messed up because of it acknowledging that but I think it is still important not to go oh this is your situation that's horrible but moving from not that victim mindset say look this is the reality but this is what God says there's restoration there's healing I I just think Mm. often we get stuck in the accepting the reality which is important but often people get stuck there and they rehash it and they relive it and they use it as excuses to stay where they are Mm, instead of moving forward yeah Yeah. so it's definitely that two-step process acknowledge but then look forward because Mm. if you get stuck there then it's not a good thing Mm. Mm, very good so yeah i can i'm gonna see through through all of this that 
um, you know, relationship and knowing uh, people is really important, especially, you know, in single parenting, as we've been talking about and knowing um, of, of single parents and people in situations and doesn't have to be to do with parenting, uh, just generally in situations, just like, you know, knowing them, talking to them about it, not putting stigmas around, mm. um, around different things. And um, there's one um, just, I think, probably the last question we'll ask you is um yeah there's one one just important distinction that you make in your in your book about um and I, I wonder whether this may be easy to kind of fall into as a single parent is what's the distinction between um you know the parent child relationship and um you know a friend like yeah. you know, a friend's relationship um yeah, yeah do you want to speak sure. to that one I think that's so huge in today's society. Mm. Um, parents trying to be their kids' friends because yep. when you're friends with someone, they make you feel good. Mm. Um, and sometimes as a parent, you have to have that hard line and your kids don't like it. Yep. And I think we're falling into a trap across society in general of behaving towards our kids so that they make us feel good mm. and once again that links to your identity you're yep. not confident in what you're called to do which is be this child's parent mm. um, and the consequences of that are massive um, I highlight in the book uh, four different parenting styles that we tend to bend towards um, and one of them is just being passive allowing the child to run the roost, dictate the rules, and it leads to unhappy, unhealthy kids. Mm. And so all through the Bible, there's so many scriptures about discipline. Mm. And it's clearly something very close to God's heart. Yeah. Um, he set the structure between us and him as a father and child relationship. So that's mm. how important parenting is to God. Yeah. And, um, you know, in... In scripture, it says that if you don't discipline your kids, you don't love them. Mm. It's, it's very, very clear. It says if you do discipline them, then you love them. Just yep. like God disciplines us. It's not pleasant at the time, mm. but it produces fruit. Yeah. It's paraphrased. Um, yeah. Chris's <laughs> version. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think it's um, super important that we remember that kids are going to have plenty of friends in their life, mm. but you're their only mum or you might be a stepmom or whatever, but you're their parent. And the yeah. weight that that carries is super important. Mm. Um, I share the example of swearing in the book. Yep. Now, I don't swear. I don't like it. A lot of people do it. That's fine. I'm not, I'm not here to judge someone who likes to drop a few swear words. Mm. But I don't want my child to swear. That's a, yep. that's a principle that I've, I've decided in my home, we don't use that language. Mm. Now, I've got friends who swear. Now, every time that they swear, I don't correct them and pull them up and have a long-winded conversation about how they shouldn't use their, that language and why. Mm. But I haven't yet. But if I heard my son drop a swear word, my response would be very, very different. Yeah. Now, is that because my standard changes? No. It's because of how I perceive my relationship or responsibility in that relationship. Mm. And so I think that fine to have your kids like you and you like them that's not a problem but I think um when we get relaxed or when we start making decisions out of fear of our child not loving us or treating us how we want to then that's a very slippery slope mm. um for instance 
I, as I said before, I was a young mum. So Max and I are relatively close in age. And because you spend all your time with them mm. as a single mum with full full care, you you do life and sometimes those lines are very blurred. Mm. And, you know, whether that's me, if Max starts talking to me like a buddy from school, it's me pulling up, hey, I'm your mum, don't speak to me like that. Mm. And just reinforcing that I'm your mum, there's that... There's that shift in the expectation. Now, yep. whilst I might reprimand him for things he does or not allow him to do things like watch certain movies, etc. Mm-hmm. When push comes to shove, more often than not, who do we turn to? We turn to our mum or our dad. Why? Because we know that they do everything out of our best interest, not just being yes men and women. So we've all got friends that... Um, we get along with and we have a great time with, mm. but in a time of crisis, we know the friends we need to go to who will have the stern word and maybe the uncomfortable conversation with us because they genuinely care about our future yeah. and our future is more important to them than, than the feel-good moment. Mm. And so mm. I think that's probably the key thing when we let that line blur, we set our kids up not only for a slippery slope moving forward, but also they lose out on having that place to run to that they know when push comes to shove they're unconditionally loved but also mum or dad or whatever parent figures there is there to help get things back in line and I think that that's one thing across the board we're starting to um, really fall away from and I I just see so many unruly crazy kids because of that insecurity in their role as parents. So, Mm. um, you know, I think that we need to pull the reins back in, um, read up on discipline in the Bible. Mm -hmm. There's so much in there. Uh, It's not about, you know, being a dictator in your home. Mm. Once again, I I put those parenting styles as just brief overviews of those different parenting styles, but what generally the perceived outcome is. So if you're too hard on your kids, too soft on your kids, there's that happy medium Mm. that, you know, I think we all need to sit down and and think about as parents from a young age um, and start to implement and start building that parent relationship that our kids really, really need. Yep. Cool. Well, thanks, Christy, for being with us. Very appreciate your time. Thank you. I have to be honest with you. I didn't know much about this topic, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I learned a lot. Yeah, awesome. Uh, just from chatting and, and going through your book. So thanks again for for being with us today. And just before we let you go, um, can you let us know how we can find your book and uh, find out more about you are you on social media is there a website people can go to yes so i've got um a website for doing it solo so it's doing it solo.org um and there's a link to my personal page on there as well christyquizzes.com um so you can have a read get the book if you want um i'd recommend as well if you've got other single parents in your world that maybe you know that's something that you can say hey i found this book because there's Mm. not a lot of resource out there um and hopefully it, it helps but i think particularly leaders or people in ministry to just have a bit of a read, even if you're not a parent, to understand, I guess, some of those challenges and and different ways that we can help, I think will really impact those single parents in our community. Fantastic. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, guys. So, hope you found this helpful. 
let us know what you think about what Christy was saying. Uh, get in touch with us on social media. We have a Facebook page, which is not very elaborate. I think we've got 20 likes, yeah. so we can use some more. <laughs> but find us on Facebook. It's Captivate Podcast, and we also have a Twitter account. And uh, get in touch, comment on uh, on our page, let us know what you thought of some of the things that Christy was talking about, and hopefully we can respond to you as well. And Mike, how are we gonna get this book to people? We've got we've got a book to give away. Tell us. Yeah, we got a we got a book to give away. So if you're interested in uh, what Christy was talking about, if you're interested in reading her book, uh, we do have one copy that we will give away. Uh, to people um, and Andy do you want to give us a bit of information about how someone might enter this competition oh, so it's running. a competition it's now, is it okay uh, okay uh, guys so what you have to do what we need you to do if you're interested in getting a free copy of this book we need you to go on a Facebook page Captivate Podcast and yeah. like our page and then also leave a review of the podcast on our Facebook page and this is yeah. going to allow us to see who you are if you have a Facebook account, you'll see your, we'll see your name. And then out of all the people that leave us comments and likes, we'll select the winner and we'll be in touch with you. If you win, you'll hear from us. Yeah, so like and review on our Catbird Podcast Facebook page. Um, to Yeah, but regardless of that, if you want to um, continue discussion around uh, this single parenting uh, topic, uh, you can start in the, the comments of, of this post uh, that you're probably finding us on and um, yeah, just just start having a chat about it because it doesn't get talked about enough as we as we talked about earlier. That's right. And if, even if you just want to say hello and get in touch, feel free to do so. We would love to hear from you and um, yeah, looking forward to hearing from all of you. Final thing, speaking of reviewing, you can also leave us a review on iTunes and all the other platforms that you can find our podcast on. I'm not even exactly sure what, yeah, what they are, but it's like 12 like or 15. 12 or but if you Google us and you find Captivate Podcast somewhere where you can leave us a review, we would really, really appreciate this um, because that makes it easier for everyone else to find us online. Yeah. And please leave us a review only if you like us. If you don't like us, just move on and we'll, we'll pray for you anyway. Or <laughs> you can just uh, you can email you can email us or... Get in touch with us on Facebook if you, if there's stuff that you want to say right. that might not be appropriate publicly. That's right. So if you like us, give us five stars. If you don't, just let us know why and maybe we can still become friends somehow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thanks, guys. Bless you. And uh, leave in the anticipation for the next episode, which is going to be coming out very, very soon. Mike, just quickly before we go, what's the topic? Next topic. I don't know. Do you want to share with people? Or that might scare them off. Okay, well then, and now it's kind of like, we can't just leave it like this because people will be thinking, what's the next topic? Uh, if you think about the, the, the worst place that you can possibly think about that someone may go to the end of their life, that might be what we're talking about next time. Oh my gosh. Are you talking about heck? <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, this episode is coming out in two weeks, so stay tuned for that and uh, have a fantastic week. See, See ya. ya.